Hey everybody, this is the Wild Ass Podcast and I am your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode four and in this episode, I get to introduce all of you to John Cross. He's a guy that I've gotten to know and have become friends with over the years through JMP Cycles. John is the store manager of the Daytona location, which is not only a beautiful retail location just off of Interstate 95, but also the home of the call center for JNP Cycles. We're going to learn more about John here, and my hope with this episode is not only to share his story with you, but to find out more about what happens behind the scenes when it comes to these, quote, big events that we get to work and share with you through our social media posts. John was born to Larry and Mary Crotz on the George Air Force Base in Victorville, California in 1970. He is the youngest of two with two brothers, Robert, David, and a sister, Kim. John's father, Larry, was a decorated Vietnam-era fighter pilot whose most notable flights were in an F-105 Wild Weasel that flew over 100 missions in the war. Mary, John's mom, had the maiden name of Christmas, making her maiden name Mary Christmas up until the day of her wedding in 1959. However, the Christmas name does live on with John's cousins, Ginger, Holly, and Noel Christmas. John has been married for 28 years to his wife, Shannon. They have one son, Austin, who currently serves in the U.S. Navy. John learned to fly many years ago, but gave it up when health concerns made it more difficult to maintain his flight medical card. For the past 30 years, John has worked in retail, with the last 15 being in the automotive and motorcycle industries. When he's not working, you'll find him either hanging out on the beach, golfing, or running around with one of the toys in his garage. The toys in that garage? He's got a 1985 Honda XL600R to play off-road, along with a 2008 Road King he uses on the road. For his other toys, he drives a 2016 Mustang Shelby Cobra GT350 and a Jeep Gladiator. All fitting hobbies and vehicles for a guy that lives in Florida. What I need to do now is get this guy involved in the conversation. So I would like to take this opportunity to introduce all of you to John Crotz. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Craig. Thank you for having me. Hope you're doing all right. I'm, I'm doing better now. I understand you're coming off of an ailment. <laughs> and we won't talk about it because I think the whole world's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that, that's probably true. We're sick of it, but now, now you're really, really sick of it. But that's really sick of it, yes. On the mend, and I'm I'm glad to hear you're on the mend. I got to suffer with that for about the last week and a half too, but it's all good now, right? It's all Look good. Out world, that's right. <laughs> here we come. That's cool. So this is the fourth recording of the podcast. So I have to say thank you for joining me to learn the struggles as we figure this thing out we uh we had a few struggles right off the bat this morning trying to get connected you're the first non-iphone user that i've had and that's you're creating me to learn new you're forcing me to learn new things so thank you and not a problem <laughs> going back to the beginning of the bio that uh i sent or you sent me i should say you were born on a military base how long did you live on the military base well, lived on or next to a military Order, base. Yeah. yeah, on or next to a military base probably till, um, well, in utilizing the military bases all the way up through high school. But uh, uh, actually on the bases more in the to the mid-70s. 
Okay, so on the bases, you were pretty young, probably before a lot of memories. But being yeah. near the base. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, then being that my father was in the position he was in, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of hoopla it was always surrounding that as well. Because uh, when he wasn't serving in the war, he was either flying air shows or personal representative for the armed forces. Oh, that is awesome. That's What was that like growing up? in that environment that's something that i can say i have no idea what that would be like well for me it was normal i mean you know every kid likes to think that no matter where he goes everybody wants to salute his dad but uh i thought that was normal for me you know and then in in to think that somebody who you know he was a world record setter you know he he just kind of did so many crazy things but in real life he was probably one of the most low-key easygoing chill guys you've ever met uh it's just amazing how they just turn it on and off sure and and, you know i suppose to him that that was just normal too yeah yeah no big deal what you say he's a world record setter what's that uh he had a couple of uh time time and distance records uh he set uh crossing the atlantic ocean um in a single seat fighter jet uh which actually this day i think uh one of those records may actually still hold don't don't know for sure uh, there was no reason for anybody to try to break it. Huh. What was it? Can you say what the record was? I don't remember the exact details, but it was crossing the Atlantic. Uh, I don't know what the time was. I don't know what the speeds were. Uh, I just know that at the time that they did it, uh, it was kind of a proof of concept. These were uh, early fighter jets. They were they were setting records for uh, it was probably more prop propaganda than anything because uh, back then he was in an F-100, which was a uh, the first military fighter jet that could do speed of the sound uh, in straight level fight. So once they started breaking those records, there was no need. Now, it wasn't like Chuck Yeager, uh, any of those guys trying to do break sound barriers. Those those have all been done. So Sure. That is cool. So I'm looking at, I pulled up on my screen, uh, one of those fighter jets and mm-hmm. yeah you, you say it's one of the first i think to me they all look the same i'm <laughs> sure they're i'm sure they're not if i if i pull up a current one it's not even close but i'm like i've seen them in top gun and i've seen them flying around you know locally at shows and stuff but to me it looks like a normal one but to be one of the first ones that is really cool and to set yeah. records is amazing i did not know that so I know we've talked about this stuff in person through the years, but I didn't, I didn't realize that he was a world record holder. So that's cool. Yeah. I guess so. Let's on the topic of your dad. What would be like your favorite story of dad? Um. Oh man, there's just so many. I think some of my favorite stories are whenever he was younger. Uh, he started learning to fly when he was only 13 years old, and uh, he was. Uh, I don't want to say he was parentless, but his parents were absent a lot, so he would lean to the airport down the street from him to learn to get help with the studies with math and, and sciences and things like that. So uh, some of the early stories of them flying, you know, the FAA was uh, relatively new back in the days. They were on aerobatic when they were 14, 15 years old, breaking every rule under the sun, but nobody knew how to enforce it. So just knowing that whenever he was a kid, he was, he, he liked to live life on the edge. And I think that's the reason why I did Growing up, uh, I had two older brothers that I always wanted to keep up with. And uh, uh, in order to do that, you just had to always push yourself to to be a little bit better than uh, than you thought you were and a little bit better than you actually were. 
uh, which comes up to bite you in the butt. And I know you and I have talked, you know, you, you grew up on dirt bikes. I grew up on dirt bikes. Uh, and you know how it is when you're with the guys, everybody's, you know, who's going to do it first and who's going to do it best. Well, you know, there always had to be that one of us. And I think that's what we took after my dad. Uh, my brother's the same way. I understand that a lot. I'm sure most of our listeners are going to understand that, that same idea as well. It's funny when you talk about that, I think of the, the days at the old gravel pit. Did you guys have a, cause we're similar in age. Did you have a video camera? So you, you'd be out videotaping some of this stuff at the gravel pits. We, we had video cameras, but none of us were smart enough to use them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had a cousin who was real good at using a video camera, but most of the places we went, uh, you know, we didn't have gravel pits where I were, by, but we had landfills, um, which would have been the okay. equi- equivalent, yep. you know, so uh, we'd go to the landfills and we had to go and travel as light as possible because you weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're, you're always ready at a minute's notice to, to hightail it out of there. So, uh, so most of, uh, most of what we have is just now become just pass me down stories of, you know, between my friends and I and, uh, you know, my brothers, you know, seeing what we've done and, and just, you know, we got the scars to tell the story. Right. And isn't it funny how, when you talk to your friends, how much faster you are than they were? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where were you guys? I left you. <laughs> I remember, it, uh, this is so fresh in my mind right now. Cause I was just, I, I, uh, my ex-wife's sister is, putting all these old videos to digital and then sending them to me. And um, you'll relate to this. So when we'd go to the gravel pit, it was you and your group of buddies. And then you found that one random pile of something that looked like it might possibly in some way, shape or form be a jump. And then you and all your friends, right. Would cult, you know, get around this thing. And then everybody would take turns hitting it. And everyone had to be watching just in case, that one time somebody actually did something cool, everybody got to see it, right? Exactly. You remember those? Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I I spent a day uh, about a, three weeks in a hospital because of one of those jumps. <laughs> 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 but it was going to be it was going to be conquered before the day was over. And you were in the hospital because you did it bigger and better than all of your friends. Not because well, you, you know, screwed it up. <laughs> you know, and it's, what's funny is. What you, you never came up short. What hurt was coming in long because you, mm-hmm. you you're never going to be the guy who missed it. You were going to make it, and and that's where we always got burned is a little bit too much throttle. You know? yep. <laughs> so, but I'd rather I'd rather go out that way than to to pile in at the at short. You know, so right, yeah, because falling short was just an embarrassment. Right now you're embarrassed and hurt. Right. That's funny. So you picked that up from your dad, uh, as I'm sure we all did. Um, he passed away a couple he years passed, ago. Yeah, 2019. Okay. Um, Mom's still alive, right? She is. And where is she at? She's in, North, she's in North Carolina. That's where most of my family, that's what we call home, is North Carolina. And I did have to add one thing uh, to, the, to Merry Christmas. Her first name yeah. is also, her first name is spelled M-E-R-O-Y. Yes, I so, to double check that, which I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing I didn't tell you, uh, Craig, and I don't know why I didn't tell you this, but uh, in 1957, 
that was, it was 57 or 58. She was on a television show called I've Got a Secret, which was, you know, a big deal back in the time because that was her name. So, so yeah, she became a little celebrity uh, growing up in, in the small town of Shelby, North Carolina, where we're from, uh, where my family's from. But she's back up near there now in North Carolina with my sister and, and my oldest brother up close to them. That's cool. So do you have a copy of that show? Can, have you found it? Do you... It's it's actually, uh, I, I found it. Uh, we had it loaded up, so it's available on YouTube. Anybody that wants to go watch it, just type in Merry Christmas, I've Got a Secret, or Merry Christmas, I-G-A-S, and it'll pull her up. She was 17 years old uh, whenever she did that video, and it just blows me away at how mature women just in general looked you look at a 17 year old today and you look at a 17 year old from back in the fifties and, and they look like mothers back in the 1950s. Well, it was my mother just that 17 right, years yeah. old. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Yeah. It's, That's it's awesome. interesting. Yeah. It's about a 15 minute watch, but it's worth it. And, and you got to listen to it because she does talk about being married to my, uh, she was engaged to my dad at the time. Okay. And they talk, you know, uh, Gary Moore, who is the host talks a lot to my mom about, well, how do you, is it hard for him to call you? Because back then everything was a, like a collect call, you know, I'm calling for, you know, Merry Christmas and, you know, and it was a real thing. They laughed about it, but a lot of times operators would not put the call together because they thought it was a, a prank. They thought he was joking. Oh, sure. You know, so to hear little things about their life whenever they were young and getting married and, and, you know, when she was still a Merry Christmas, but, uh, and she was real big with March at dimes. She was one of their, uh, cover girls for their propaganda, their their advertisements uh, during you know back in those days in the fifties. So it's really interesting. Those stories are bet I bet are are they still shared at family gatherings? I would hope. Oh yeah, uh, talk about them all the time, and and you know with the world of Facebook and social media today. So every year on her birthday at Christmas, we'll see these videos start popping up uh, and they'll, they'll go viral for a few days, uh, you know, family spreading them out. And then, and, it, and it's also interesting to hear, to be able to see the feedback that comes from people that she grew up with going, man, I've, I've, I grew up with her, you know, and people are just proud to say, yeah, she was in my class. And, and I'm like, well, you know, that's my mom. She's tough. Uh, this is a woman who grew up around the world, lived in Tripoli, Libya, raising kids and getting drug all over the place with the U S air force. And uh, she held it together. Well, she's still alive. So thank her. Obviously, we thank your father for her service. Um, your mom is the hero that had to put up with it and, and take care of you guys, like you said. And now your son, Austin. So yeah. the family's in there. You were not. I'll let you tell us why. Just, but as a family, I, I'm sure I'm one of many that would like to thank and show my appreciation for your entire family and their dedication sure. to the service. So you didn't make it. Nope. Well, that goes back to that, that jump. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no, through high school, I was an ROTC. I was, uh, I was, I had a plan to go. Uh, my goal, ultimately goal was to join the air force, um, uh, or to serve in the military in one way, shape or form. My, both my brothers served, my father served, my, both my grandfather served, um, oh, my uncle, every male in my family pretty much served in the military, but, uh, that wreck, that, that wreck had a lot of, uh, did a lot of damage to me uh, enough that uncle Sam says, you know what, you've already been beat up pretty bad. We will let you slide on this one. So, but fortunately my son, when he graduated high school, he's always been academically gifted. He was an athlete, uh, a scholar, a musician, 
And when he wanted to choose something, he ended up getting into the Navy nuclear power program where he's been for a little over six years now. He's stationed in San Diego and, you know, and he's a gearhead as well. Uh, you know, he, he decided not to go for the speed, but he's into the rock crawling, the rock bouncing. They go out to Johnson Valley out in California. In fact, they're going to be there this weekend, uh, you know, uh, here in January, uh, when they're headed out there. But, um, that's what they love to do. They like to break things, fix it, make it better and uh, break it again, fix it and make it even better. Uh, so I'm proud of them. You know, there's a lot of things your kids could be doing. Uh, you know, nobody, I don't, I don't know too many people that are upset that their kids, you know, fall into a, a some kind of a motorsport like that, where they can learn yeah. something, build camaraderie, like the motorcycle business. I mean, you know, we, we, we've probably spent more time helping people, other people fix their projects than we have fixing our own projects just so we can all ride together mm -hmm. and and uh and that's what it's about it's it is a camaraderie and and i've seen that you know my personal life uh you just as the rider i've seen it you know in the motorcycle industry you know even with us craig whenever you come out and visit us twice a year it's like a family reunion your 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 brand who's just kind of claimed a a piece of that pie there's, there's several and, uh, and it's just exciting to be around. It is. I, and I can attest to all of it. The support that this industry industry shows each other is unreal. Yep. Um, how, and, and I'm the rock crawling community. Those guys are all the same thing, but how often does your son get home? Does he get back to see you? Do you get out to see him? Well, uh, used to, we'd see him a couple of times a year, but after COVID, kind of took hold the military kind of uh restricted the travel um so when he had opportunities to come you know it, they would just pull the wool out of the carpet um uh, being that we're here in florida and he's in california you know we're polar opposite states uh for yeah. a lot of things uh so you know people in california are like no you can't go to florida or the people in florida are like yeah well keep keep california out there we'll keep cal we'll keep florida here <laughs> so it just kind of made it difficult for him to travel, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, this next year is going to be a little different. Yeah. So my my daughter, you remember this? She moved over to Sweden for a couple of years. Yeah. So the the difference between your mom and your dad, right, having to communicate, make those phone calls. How thankful are you now for uh, like Zoom and FaceTime and all these things? Right. We don't have it that bad. Oh, it's amazing. You know, so today, you know, my son, I might talk to him four or five times a day, whether it be a phone call, text, uh, like you said, some kind of FaceTime or Zoom or, you know, you know, he's just a, he's a second away. Uh, so I talk to my son more now. In fact, when he was deployed and he was in the South China Sea, I spoke to him. He, he's calling me uh, or he's he's actually Facebook messaging me from a ship i'm i'm looking at the news and it just so happened we had a three aircraft a three strike force carrier group uh in the south china sea our president was over in japan speaking and north korea was making some noise they were doing a show of force and so he sends me this text and says hey how are you doing um so just so the listeners know what's going on we're really working like we're doing our things today so we're on the phone and the little glitches and things that we're having. You said you had got a message. 
um, that stuff. I try to pull some of that out, but I can't get it all. So anyway, I appreciate everybody. Well, that's, that's okay. That. <laughs> One of those messages is our buddy, Mikkel calling me. So I'll have to call him back. <laughs> Well, let's say hi to Mikel on the show. I will tell you what. Hey, hey Mikel. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's great. Um, that's hilarious. So that being another, just another family member from the motorcycle industry. That's correct. I'd love to get uh, one of those guys uh, from Clockworks on the show in the future. So I'm sure I will. Oh, uh, sure. Let's see. We're talking about contact, contact with your kids. One thing that I've learned about myself doing this show is my transitions suck. <laughs> so from one well, thing to another, like, okay, I know what I need to work on. <laughs> well, you know, Craig, I've always known you as an in-person kind of guy, so your transitions right. are natural to me. I don't, I don't, so, I don't get it. <laughs> and, well, my buddy uh, Larry, who comes down every spring. I was telling him this the other week and I'm like, man, I just, my transitions suck when I listen back. He goes, dude, you're going from a conversation to reading questions. And I went, oh yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not as natural. <laughs> no, it's odd. But uh, so we talked about your parents. We talked about your son, your wife. Is she a motorcycle rider, an enthusiast? My wife is the best passenger you could ever ask for. Um, yeah, there's been times she's discussed wanting to to get her endorsement and do her own riding, but she's a social butterfly. She loves to take pictures. Um, she can get on the back of that motorcycle and sit back there for hours. And, uh, and you, you know how so some passengers are just they counter turn on you. They 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 counter lean on you. They don't they you know I can ride and forget she's even back there. Uh, so yeah, she loves to ride. She loves to ride. She loves the atmosphere. Uh, she'll go to all the events with me. Uh, uh, a lot of people work, uh, just assume she, you know, a lot of customers assume she's part on the payroll because she's, she's right there with me, uh, when we do events and rides and charity, uh, work. Uh, so I, I, I love to have that, you know, because it is something we can do as a family. I mean, I do all that on my days off usually. So whenever I can take my wife with me, it's still a day off, even though I'm kind of working. Yeah, no, that's cool. I have, I can relate to every piece of that conversation. The one, what is, does your wife work otherwise? Oh, what she does. She, do? she, she is a supervisor in the finance department for the city of Mormon beach. Uh, whenever I'm getting ready for our events, like bike week and bike Toberfest, I have to make several trips back and forth to city hall. So I kind of get to see her whenever I go down there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I was going to say like with, with Renee, she'll tell you she can't stand people but you will you would not know that right <laughs> i think she just doesn't like normal people but she likes our normal people <laughs> at the event yeah so. that that might be the truth uh you know we're all a, a bunch of odd nuts we're we're definitely a mix maybe that's what she likes maybe it makes everybody feel uh included yeah that's i that's probably it exactly um you said in your bio also See, this is a terrible transition because uh, I went right to the question. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you said that you fly uh, or you did fly. I did How fly. How long did yep. you fly? What, did you have a license or not? Oh, yeah. It was uh, okay. several years. Um, but whenever I was so, – so I only flew privately. Um, it was never something I wanted to do for a living. Um, it was uh, – 
something I kind of, I kind of did. I think mostly what I did it for was because it was a connection that with my dad, um, okay. he was part of my training. He was part of my learning. Um, you know, it was just something that we did together. Uh, he'd go up with us and, you know, my dad to the day he died, he could have probably got in anything and flew it in like he just did it yesterday. Um, for him, flying was right. Like riding a bike, my uncles, my cousins still fly. But uh, I had health issues when I was 29 years old, um, uh, went through a little bit of about with cancer. Um, by the time I got through everything, the red tape was just so much. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I put that down. My brother, he uh, is a commercial hot air balloon pilot, also a private fixed wing pilot. Um, so flying just always been in the family. Um, but um, number two, it's if you don't have a reason to fly other than just for fun, it's an expensive hobby. Uh, and I have too many of those already, so I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> Expensive hobbies. That Mustang? I had to look that up. I'm like, okay, you didn't say Mustang. So is this a kit car? What's the deal? And I looked up, it ain't no kit car. <laughs> no, it's not a kit car. It's, uh, you know, and there again, you know, it, it was not one of those things I was in the market for. It's one of those things that just kind of found me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, I'm, I'm a car guy. You know, people ask me, I, I, I did some work with GM in the past. Um, I'm a car guy. I'm not a Ford guy. I'm not a Chevy guy. I'm not a Mopar guy. I'm a car guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a, a, a car that had no miles on it. That you know, It was just a beautiful car. And whenever I, this opportunity opened itself, I said, you know what? I will make more room in my garage. So my wife is the Jeep person. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that likes to go fast, hang on. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I'm still alive today. My wife, ever since I've known her, uh, I've known her since she was 18 years old. Uh, she wanted it to be taller, bigger tires. You know, she doesn't care about going fast. She just cares about going wherever she wants to go. And, uh, so she's the Jeep person. I'm the car person. Uh, we both enjoy the motorcycles. When did you, speaking of that Jeep, when did you get that? Was that like two years ago? Well, I had a, I had a Jeep before that, that I've uh, had for a little over 10 years. And then two uh-huh. years ago, uh, about a year ago, uh, I bought this Gladiator because I needed a pickup yeah. truck. So I bought this Gladiator and then I spent probably uh, two months getting it where she wanted it. Um, you know, the lift kits, the tires, the steps, mm-hmm. you know, getting it all right for her. I remember when you first got it and mm-hmm. you were telling me about it. I don't remember going to see it. I remember like you were just telling me about it and you told me about these dirt bike tracks in the front of the box, right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, like what? They had that in there? Like, yeah. Yes. And it was like just the coolest thing. Remember? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got a place to put two dirt bikes in the back and they even tell you where to put them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's funny about that is my brother and his wife bought one of those jeeps this fall like october september october november somewhere in that and uh he's telling me about it and meanwhile his wife's driving it back and forth to work and i'm like does that have the dirt bike tracks in it you know like i know what i'm talking about right i only know because you were telling me and uh right (laughs) i'm like does it have dirt bike tracks in the box he's like what i'm like yeah the cool ones have dirt bike tire marks right in the front of the box. So you know where to put your dirt bike. He's like, well, I don't know. He didn't even know. And it does. 
<laughs> so now you're knows everything. <laughs> but, but, but you're a car guy. You're trying. Not really. I, I'm like you. I don't. I'm not. I don't know history of vehicles, and I just know vehicles are cool, and or they're not. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. You would say that because I was selling cars. Um, <laughs> I didn't sell cars. I just helped people find stuff they wanted. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's funny. That's right. funny. Yeah. So it was, it was funny when he got that that I was able to, you know, say something about it like I know what they are and. And I'd never even seen it before yours. <laughs> no, it's cool. He got it and uh, they really like it. And I think it's cool. You know, now the more I see them, you know, when they first came out, I wasn't real excited about them. But the more I see them, the ones that are actually done up well, like your wife's is now, I think they're really cool. Coming back to the motorcycle world, give us a little history. What got you? I mean, you, you grew up with dirt bikes. What was your first bike? Uh, first bike would have been a, uh, a Z50. Let's see if you can remember what a Z50 is. I had a... the, the QA50. <laughs> Basically the same bike. <laughs> so very close. <laughs> Basically the same bike. A Honda 50, three-speed, semi-automatic, you know, um, just something to learn how to stay on two wheels. And then, uh, that progressed to, uh, 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 RM50. Which yeah. progressed progressed to a KX80, progressed to a YZ125, progressed to a KX250, which was built by a uh, gentleman named Bobby Barr, who was the bike builder for his son, who raced at the time. We're going back into the mid '80s. Rodney Barr, who was a Kawasaki rider in 125s, uh, was going to be moving up to 250s, but uh, that was my last dirt bike until uh, recently. I, I acquired this old XL600. Mm-hmm. But road, I've kind of been on everything uh, from G- Jixters, GSXRs, uh, 650, 750, 1100. Um, then you know, went to Harley, never turned back. You know, I, I got old. I got old real young. <laughs> that happens to all of us. Yeah. The uh, the Harley. Do you, working in the industry? Do you get to do a lot of riding? Uh, not as much, uh, you know, and I don't want to say I don't have the opportunity. Uh, it's just sometimes you just got to turn it off. Um, you know, when you work 50 plus hours a week in the motorcycle industry, sometimes you just want to shut it off. And I think that's why I'm passionate still about my cars. It's, you know, as much as I love the motorcycles, I love the camaraderie. Um, you know, I'm not a big club guy. I'm not a, you know, my wife and I, we take our time to ride and to Jeep and, and to do things together. Um, it's so as much as I love to go out and do things. And, and when we do things in a group, it's usually revolves around uh, an event, uh, a charity or an awareness of some type of, of something that we're doing. But, uh, you know, to sit there and say, do I do I ride as much as I, I would like to now that I'm in the business? I probably don't ride as much as I could, but I but I'm definitely uh, in a position where I can ride anytime I want. And working for JP Cycles, they encourage everybody that works for them to ride as much as possible. I mean, they even have promotion uh, or uh, campaigns for people who ride to work. Uh, every day you ride to work, you earn points, which you can use towards purchasing product and, and things like that. Uh, you can win prizes for riding to work. So it's really, you know, it's a, it's a, 
it's a uh, culture. You're being in J&P cycles around the motorcycles, different walks of life. You'll, and you know most of my team, Craig. I mean, we are all so completely different, but we all get along so famously because the one thing we all have in common is we all love motorcycles, and we love not. And it's not just the love of the motorcycle; it's the it's the culture around the motorcycle. It's the the camaraderie around it. So it's not just about the bike; it's about the people. Very much so. That's cool. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't yep. know that they did that. Is that it new in the last few years? Has that been? Uh, started doing it probably about three years ago. Um, you know, the the programs have changed a little bit. You know, we've had ownership change in the company, which has been a, a, a blessing uh, for everybody that works in the company. So some of the things have changed. Some things have gotten better. Some things uh, have kind of gone away because we've, we're remolding it into something a little bit better. Um, but what we do, we do want everybody to know when, when you come into one of our stores or you make a phone call to our company and you're talking to somebody about a motorcycle, they're not just there making a buck. Uh, these are people who live the lifestyle. They, they eat and breathe this. So when we know about a guy who's bikes down, he needs a part. We don't just look at it as, well, we'll try to get you a part. We look at it as, well, we're going to try to get you back up on the road. Uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. That's the way it should be. Yep. I mean, every motorcycle shop should be that way. Yep. Just my opinion is, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all in this together. So that's, that's well, cool. It, I didn't know that that was, like I said, I didn't know that was a thing. I just, that's, to be incentivized to ride to work is awesome. Yeah. And we don't do it just once a year on ride your bike to work day. It's uh, it's 365 days a year or every day we're open. So who rides there the most? Do you know? Um. Well, we, Right now, you know, for a long time, it was Paige. Paige was always our top dog rider. She rode to work every day. Uh, you, you know, Paige has been a huge advocate of wild ass products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and her husband, Kevin, uh, couldn't keep up with her. So to think that the, the top rider is some big burly biker guy, that's, that's not always the case. I mean, here we have a beautiful young uh, woman who – gets on her bike whether it's 30 degrees outside or 100 degrees outside whether it's raining or whether it's sunny uh she would make her way to work uh she lived on that motorcycle so uh i don't know who the record holder is right now i think one of one of the people that was uh, always up there was zach parham uh our, our now our cfo but the namesake of the company john parham's son yeah uh you know he's he's that avid rider um you know now He's having to commute by airplane a lot now, so <laughs> that, that makes it a little right. Uh, but yeah, there for a long time, time. He he was one of the top dogs as well. That's I didn't know if you had a, a scoreboard in the office well, or something. If you kept that, if it's like a we we did thing, we did. And 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 my and I'm lucky now. Part of it's because we're based in Florida. Our company we have people all over the country now, but we're based in Florida. But Harold Roosh works for me. He was always one of the top guys. Paige was one of the top girls. Uh, I got a John Lee who works for me. He's always there in the top. But being in Florida, it, it we have yeah. the weather advantage um, right. on our side. So we're not riding on icy roads to work. Now, we might get wet, but uh, and it does get cold. I mean, we've been working in the 30s and the 40s here in the past couple of weeks, but these guys still get up and do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's see. So talking about... Let's talk more about the Florida location. 
mm-hmm. twice a year you have events. Um, and I, I know you don't listen to the show cause you're not a podcast person. Um, kind of not necessarily a deal I made for the listeners, but more for myself. I don't talk. This isn't a wild ass show. Like we don't talk about wild ass all the time. What's going on. And that was kind of the deal I made with myself is this show's not going to be about that. It's going to be more about sharing friend, stories of friends and people that I've met along the way. But I'm going to say right now, we're going to talk about wild ass. And the reason for that is there's a very special place in my heart for JMP cycles. When, when we first came to market, we did our product launch on the floor of your location where it'll be seven years ago. And that coincidentally was your first time as well. Yes. I think we were both getting our cherries popped together. <laughs> yes, we were right there on the show floor. Um, and it was one of those deals. So I worked at the previous company, Rojo. Um, I just don't say the Airhawk name ever, but I got Rojo was really the name that, that it was. And I worked with JNP for, you know, I think since 2011, I've never missed a bike week. So what's that going to be? 11 years, this will be. When we decided that we were going to launch Wild Ass, that was like the timing was correct and everything. I got a hold of the people at JNP and they're like, bring it down. And that was the very first place. And like I said, it just holds a very special place in my heart to be there every year. And to find out that, you know, to know that you and I are in this very first time together, here we are six years later, it's super cool to me. So what I want to talk about was these events, right? I mean, these events take a ton of planning and I just kind of wanted to get your take on this event. So let's go all the way back to the very first one. How involved were you in planning it? Or was this just the first one you were at? Yeah. So the the very first event that I did. um, So I started in April of 2015. So I, we had just come out of a bike week. Okay. Um, So I learned a lot about a bike week after cleaning up from a bike week, if that makes any sense. Um, Sure. So then, you know, as soon as, as soon as we finish cleaning up from bike week, you know, we have to go through and do a full store inventory, recount everything, get everything cleaned up. And then we're now planning for Biketoberfest at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first event planning was Biketoberfest and then uh, coming around to bike week again. Um, you know, so I, I, I actually got to have hands on. Now, the first first event uh, I did, it was kind of new for our company because our, our location had been annexed into the city of Ormond beach. We were in the County. So everything was new at this point, you know, the way we handled security, the way we got permits, um, the way we had to lay out our lot, uh, the, you know, the, the, a lot of new rules that nobody knew. Um, I would walk next door to our neighbors and I would talk to the Ross Myers and Tammy who would pull their permits and try to get help from her because nobody in our company really knew how to do this. Um, so I, I would set up appointments to go speak with city commissioners and planning people in the city of Ormond beach, trying to get it figured out. And then once we got it all figured out, 
that's how we knew how to put the event together. Now, I, I also had a couple of secret weapons in my arsenal. I have Bob Ragisi, who is our facilities uh, manager and supervisor. Bob, he had a, a, a black book of people to call, you know, whether it was for septic or trash or security. Um, you know, so we worked together. And then the vendors, all you guys, um, and if you remember, uh, when when we first started, Craig, we we probably had almost fifty vendors between the inside the building and outside the building. We had a lot. It was over forty, maybe forty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had forty five brands on our lot. And one of the things I realized whenever the event was over was we're we have too many. Um, you know, we needed to focus on quality, not quantity. Um, we looked at the brands who supported us. We looked at the brands who had higher demand, uh, who were a little bit more cutting edge. And then we started thinning the herd out. So uh, if a guy was sitting outside in my parking lot trying to sell his product and he only had 10 feet to sell it, you know, we'd say, you need more than 10 feet. You got too much product. You got too much demand. Let's give you 20 feet or 30 feet. Um, you know, we started making room to bring in you know, a, a higher quality, I guess, is the, the better word, uh, sure. a higher demand. And we have seen pretty much over the past seven, seven years, just consistent and steady growth. Um, we've tried to create uh, consistency. So when you come and visit us, there's not a million questions. You just kind of I mean, you can come and set up and you'll be done before I even know you're there. Mm hmm. Um, and that's what we want. Uh, we want vendors to know when they come here, you're at home. This is your house. Make yourself at home. Um, you know, and it, and it provides me luxuries whenever I'm you know, in my store on any given day of the week outside of an event. And I have somebody comes in and has a really hard question about a, a product. I'm like, well, hold on. Let me let me pick up the phone. I can probably call somebody. And, you know, I can pick up a phone and I can call Craig or I can call Brian Clock or I can call somebody in, you know, in the industry and say, hey, let me ask you, how would you fix this? And they would give us solutions. And, and we've learned and we've grown from that uh, tremendously. So I'm just proud of what we have there at Destination Daytona at JMP Cycles here, because even whenever your vendors say this is where we want to be. We don't want to be anywhere else. You know, there's a lot of other places you can be, but this is where they want to be. And now our customers know this is where to come because that's who they want to see. Um, so ours doesn't change a whole lot. We don't like to throw a lot of change. When you come in, you know what you're coming in for. Yeah. So that, um, that's mentioning that I remember that first year, all those vendors, the place was packed. Um, it was the very first time my son had been to, an event like this right and we literally set up and i guess i don't know the direction is it the north door that would be the, the north door yeah um, that was the north door and i think we had a six foot table and that's what yeah. we were set up in <laughs> yeah and i and, think your son your son was probably about what 13 years old no <laughs> <laughs> well he'd have been uh 19 <laughs> yeah but he looked like he was about 13 yeah. years old <laughs> yeah yeah he definitely uh like did not you, look you, look, you look like you're about 25 <laughs> well maybe when i shave i don't know if you've been following my, my experiment on facebook that was hilarious <laughs> but we actually have a picture on our website um 
it's actually on the main page. If you scroll down to the about wild ass, you'll see that very first setup with my then partner, Scott and I right. um, standing at the table. And that was 2016. That was cool. Yeah. And I, re- so, I remember that so well. Yeah. It's crazy how we remember these things and why, it's right? Funny I mean, there's so I, many other things going on. And I think it was Zach Parham had, had been the one to call me and said, Hey, you're going to have a vendor that you're, you don't know. And yeah. And he was explaining to me what it was. And and when he told me what it was, I'm like, oh, well, this should do really well <laughs> because I knew <laughs> we won't talk about other companies, but I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it worked out awesome. So in seven years, you kind of summarized. I was going to ask about, you know, some of the change and you, you did. You gave more space. So our location is the same, like where we're at when we first moved outside we were in a 10 foot spot like you say and then i think it was ricky was right next to us and then he moved away and i'm like hey uh, i want that spot you're like all right take it the next year we were there and then of course we grew a 20 foot and i think i can't remember if it was by tober or in march but we were we're now 30 feet we take up a lot of room well you do bring the nice looking women with you so we have to give you prime space (laughs) <laughs> that helps doesn't it <laughs> it, is, it is a motorcycle rally <laughs> right um it does uh it creates its problems but overall <laughs> it's good yeah that that just prompts me to like there's always those creepy old guys that have to come by the booth right well and... that's my job you know <laughs> i still gotta do my job <laughs> <laughs> fortunately you get pulled away by work once in a while I'm talking about the guys there on vacation that have had too I, many years. I know. Uh, I know. But anyways, yeah, getting back to the, the topic, our our space is what it is. It's always been our spot. We've claimed it. We love the fact that you're keeping us there because that was almost a lesson that we were able to take and use at the Sturgis location and then also at other events, like, you know, some of these events you'd go to and they'd, you'd be in a different spot this year. You'd be in a different spot next year. And people, we would find out, they would come and look for us, not just us, any vendor. So, um, but they'd come and, you know, like, like, hey, John, here's what I got last year and here's where they are. Wait, they must not have came this year. Right. Because we're right around the corner. So we don't. Um, so that keeping that part of things the same on the lot there is great, I think. I think it's great. I think everybody in our row would agree. And we all become friends and we all end up working with each other too when it comes time well, to set up, tear down, helping with customers. And it's and it's interesting whenever I go by and see another vendor with their display bike and their their tent, but they'll have a wild ass seat on it. Or I'll go by a wild ass your tent and I'll see your bike there, but it's got a clockworks windshield on it, or it's you know, it's got a hogworks headlight, or it's got you know, it's just because you guys have just been neighbors so long and you know, there again, we don't do it once a year, we do this twice a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're neighbors with these guys and uh so everybody starts to work with each other and you become ambassadors for each other's brand as well. Absolutely. And that, that, to me, that's why it's important how we conduct our events is because it's you guys, you know, and I, I, I know the expense for, you know, a vendor to come to our lot. Uh, and, and let's say spe- specifically, let's talk about Biketoberfest. It's a five day. If we stretch it, it's a five day event. Mm-hmm. You know, you coming from 
all the way out from the west, you guys are paying a lot of money to get out there between expenses and travel and, and everything you have to do to be there. We know you're not going to walk out of there saying, hey, we made a profit while we're here. So that being said, one of the nice things about coming down to Florida in the mornings, and hopefully we get back to that this year, is we get to actually have 15, 20 minute, half an hour training sessions with the entire staff, where those of us that come down, like you say, yeah, it's incredibly expensive. So we try to get everything we can out of it, not because we're greedy, but because we have to pay so we can come back in the fall or in the spring, right? But to have the ability to to meet up with these guys, it not only gives all of your employees the education, um, but we become friends and we want to work with each other. Right. right. Yep. It's, it's, it's just a, there again, it all comes back to the, the camaraderie. Uh, when, you know, when I worked with General Motors, one of the things that I'd never saw that I get to see here, well, the automotive industry has been so old and been around so long that the namesakes in the companies pretty much are all gone. I mean, there's a few guys out there, but, uh, but who is Holly? We don't know. He's, he's probably died 50 years ago. Don't know. Sure, but in the but in the motorcycle business, I mean, we well, we recently lost uh, Arlen Ness, um, but we still have Corey Ness, uh, we still have Brian Clock, we still have Craig Johnson, we still have the the pioneers in the the guys who this is their brand um, out there promoting their brand. Cobra Exhaust, I mean, you know, whenever Tim McCool, one of the most meek and mild guys, walks into your store. And people say, well, who's this gentleman? Well, this is the man who started Cobra Exhaust. Uh, This is his company. And to find out who he is and the story there, you you don't get that in a lot of industries. uh, Like That's what excites me about Bike Week. Whenever you find out that Willie Davidson was just shopping in your store, you know, we even have that from a a Harley Davidson standpoint. You know, the namesakes are still active in the business and still care and real people and probably rode a motorcycle to the event. Yeah, exactly. To talk about this event, we've talked about who's, who's there, you know, and like you said, yeah, the owners of companies, everybody's still there or actually shows up. We are at the event helping. We want to meet and hang out with the customers and all of our friends in the industry. How long in advance, like I know for you and I, how long we are in communication talking about this event i don't know that everybody knows that because people that attend these they they come there's a big event and they go home and the event is over but <laughs> give us a little timeline of how this happens behind the scenes well uh i want to talk about in a perfect world not a covid world yep um in a perfect world we would like to um, uh, inventory moving let's say for Try to get that moving as early as in December. We'll we'll bring in just to support the store during event. Uh, you know, we'll bring in close to two million dollars worth of product just to try to make it through a ten day period. That takes a lot of a lot of time and effort to get you know to get the orders done, to get the product in, to get everything located in the right spot. So, a bike week usually it's about a four month process to to get it set up. And it's really the same for Biketoberfest. Just because one's a longer event and one's a shorter, the effort's still the same. Sure. So eight months out of our year, we're focusing on 
on a bike week or a bike tober fest. The, the other four months of the year, we're trying to just get our stores just recovered, cleaned up, you know, new product in, get vacations, get our, you know, get our team time off, some rest time. They don't get a lot of rest time. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And even then in, in those four months where we're, we're not doing the actual event planning, there is still event decisions being made. But I will say this, that usually whenever we come out of a bike week, I already have an idea who's going to be there for Biketoberfest. And when we come out of a Biketoberfest, I already have a good idea who's going to be back for bike week. We don't see a lot of change in the venue. We don't see a lot of change in who the vendors are. Uh, you know, outside of, you know, during this whole COVID thing, we had to make some changes and some concessions. Um, we know that it made it difficult for some vendors to travel based off whatever state they were in. Uh, we've been running into supply issues and shortages on product. But, you know, the, the good thing is, you know, our vendors, our manufacturers are, that we're working with, they try to reserve enough inventory to make sure that uh, they can be, uh, be able to attend uh, with, with some products. It's tough, but uh, it's, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah. So we, uh, it, it has been a struggle, but I can tell you that in my shop, we're recording this and it's the end of January. This show is going to come out on the 14th of February. So from now it's two weeks till we hit the road right. um, to come down and be there. Actually, well, it, it's less than that. But right now I have all of the product for bike week ready to go. And I think it was last, uh, it was, was, was it, uh, during Biketoberfest, you were calling me, what, two weeks before saying, hey, can you look and see if you can find this in any of your warehouses? <laughs> yeah. It's it. This last year's been tough. Uh, yeah. You know, fortunately, I have the working relationships with everybody and I can say, hey, John, here's who's got it. I need you to go get it. And hopefully they were able to ship it, get it there in time. So I I'm really thinking I got her down this time, but I hope I'm way short. <laughs> well, we don't want you to be way short, but I, well, I think by, means we sold a lot. <laughs> well, I think by Toberfest too, you came off of one of the best Sturgis rallies you've had. Yes. So, I mean, kudos to you and your brand. I mean, you know, between supply issues and record sales happening at the same time. I mean, that's just a double win. So it is. And, you know, fortunately we have, you know, between our distributors, between our retailers, most importantly, our customers, we've, we've been blessed to yeah. continue to grow like we have. And we're looking forward to this year, the same. Um, just hopefully shipping can keep up. I can tell you, we got our largest order ever. And that's what I pulled your stuff out of. Um, our, again, largest order ever is currently sitting outside Long Beach again. And then after that, our Lord largest order ever. Now, yes, each one's bigger is on the water headed over. And next week we're going to place an even larger one. We're to be prepared. And I just hope shipping can get it to me fast enough. It's well, not a we'll just... issue with us. It's shipping yes. at this point. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> well, I look forward to it. I'm excited. I think we're going to have uh, all the indications right now indicate that uh, this will probably be another record setting event between our location at JP Cycles, the Ross Myers at Destination Daytona, 
There's a fantastic gentleman named Terry Reimer who now is really doing a great job of pulling in some of the biggest and best vendors to this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, uh, and, you know, I, I like working with Terry. Um, it seems like all the, all the manufacturers like working with Terry. So being that our location is going to be where, where it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's always been known as the place to come and see the newest and latest and greatest, but now it's going to be the most, uh, you know, which we haven't always had that. It's kind of ridiculous when, so in, let's talk about your location because we're not in Daytona. It's, it's Daytona bike week, but all of our stuff is merging up to where you're at. So tell us where we're at off of 95 and how far north of Daytona and exit number and how to get there. It's, it's exit 273. Uh, it's uh, two exits before you get to Daytona. It's only a, about a 10 minute drive into Daytona from where we are. Uh, and the reason why we're not in Daytona is because years ago, um, when Bruce Rossmeyer had his Harley dealership in Daytona, there was evidently, and this is before my time, and I can only go by the stories, but there was just a lot of beef sometimes between the city of Daytona and, and the event. Um, and that was when the decision was made, let's move out to, to I-95 and uh, US-1 and build our own event uh, location, which is what Bruce Rossmeyer did. And it's become, it was, so you got to keep in mind, this whole location was built with Bike Week in mind. You can't say that about too many places. This is one of the few places they said, we're going to build this for this reason. And that's why it has become such a huge attraction during Bike Week. So we're not known for the big, the biggest party and the, and the loudest bands. It's where you come to product the latest and greatest and talk to the manufacturer directly. And so it's just, it's worked out well for us. Uh, and when John Parham made the decision to partner or build next door to that dealership and, and become part of this, it was the best thing that could have happened for us and for a customer. It's great. And then talking about the event and the vendors and manufacturers and everything, you're not only meeting and talking and buying the stuff, it's installed for you right there if you want it and you ship everything home. Like, so absolutely. If a guy wants new pipes, like I may have been guilty of hauling my dad's bike down for, they'll put them on. They'll put yep. them on. They'll reprogram the computer, and then they'll you guys ship the pipes home if I needed them to. Yep, it's great. So it's a it's a it's a win win. But keep in mind, we're a shipping company. So right. if we're if we're going to ship you a part, what you're talking. So. And, uh, and you are right. You are getting it installed. Not, not are you only on most product, you're getting it installed by the manufacturer, by the guys who designed it, who engineered it, who out that product, whether it be your handlebars, your exhaust, your lighting. So, yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's fun to see. It's great to see people's faces when they get their bikes back in there. Yeah. All, you know, now custom, like they want it to be. It's, it's awesome. We, I, I say every day, I'm the luckiest man alive to get to live this life. Yep. Um, I'm not the, you know, I don't have the most money, but I'm the luckiest one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so happy. Yep. Um, is there anything I missed? Uh, Craig, I think you got it all, man. There's that. <laughs> you mystery. want to talk about extra? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I could sit here and talk like this all day, but you know, we're going to sit here yeah. and bore people to death because, right. uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I'm going to see you here in a few weeks and we're going to sit here and catch up 
uh, on stuff that retell the same stories. Those guys are incredible. Um, you know my team. Yep. You know my you know my assistant managers. You know my sales supervisors and leads. And you know these guys. They I don't have to give them a lot of direction. They just know what to do. They pick it up and they run with it. Uh, this year's been a little tough. We you know we've been fortunate enough to see some wonderful people in our company enjoy the chance to retire, uh, which is kind of. You know, some of those have been key players. You know, now we just got to get in step with some of the new people who are, or you know, they're not really new people. They're just new in a new role. But you know, picking up some of those those challenges. Um, and so, but once we get everything smoothed back out, you know, it'll it'll be like a clock, uh, Swiss clock again. And uh, and and uh, again, you know, I, I, I'm glad the fact that you're going to come back down and you're not going to see a lot of new faces. You're going to see the same team. You're going to see the same people. Uh, and we're going to be ready. Yeah, definitely, definitely one of our favorite events. That so we got five questions for you. I, okay, you haven't listened, and we got to end on those. Okay, it's, it's awesome because you don't know what they are, which means we get real responses. Okay, so <laughs> the first question, and they may just be statements, but the first question is, tell me something that you believe. So a belief that you have something you believe that other people think is insane oh wow well i do believe uh that i live in one of the most wonderful states in the united states and despite what anybody's ever heard on television or the news or anything else we are so far ahead of the world when it comes to uh our everyday quality of life oh that's awesome that's a good one uh, let's see. And there's no wrong ones, by the way. <laughs> okay, so the next thing, this could be an investment of time, money, energy, or any other resources. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you have made when it comes to your world on two wheels? Oh, wow. The best investment I have ever made um, I would have to say probably a, a good, comfortable seat. Um, I would have to say good glasses. <laughs> Help good me glasses. see at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can see. Vision's more important than the seat. <laughs> you can't see. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you know I, I tell you what, I tell you what, uh, upgrading the lighting on my bike I think has been the best investment I've ever made okay upgrading my lighting it's it makes me more visible but it makes me more comfortable to ride at night because I can see better sure. at night okay number three what is the worst advice that you see or hear being dispensed in your world the word you know what <laughs> I think where people are making the biggest mistakes is they, they, they're trying to do too much of their own research by watching things like YouTube and going to Google to try to get answers instead of just calling somebody and talking to a professional. Uh, we, every day we see guys coming in, spending a lot of money trying to undo. Uh, don't, don't be cheap. Uh, doesn't mean you need to go spend a ton of money on stuff you don't need, but, I just see so many people want to make changes to their, their motorcycles. They want to make changes to their, because 
they think they know what they need based off of what the, you know, their buddies have told them, but you know, it, it, that. Yep. Okay. For the listeners, do you have any requests of the audience? The only thing I would ever request from the audience is uh, regardless of what anybody's ever said or your experience. I mean, you know, try, don't be afraid to try something yourself. Um, you know, just because it doesn't work for one person doesn't mean it won't work for you. Just because another person had a bad experience doesn't mean it's going to be a bad experience for you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if, if you're, if you're thinking about being in the motorcycle world or, or riding or working or anything around the motorcycle industry, um, if, it, if it's something you want to do, do it. Uh, you know, whenever I got into the motorcycle business, I, I, I didn't know. And, uh, and I'm glad I didn't, because if I would have listened to the people that I've, I've met, uh, some of the old school guys that we won't even talk about, they're not even around. They just, you know, they talk about all the regret. Um, I do it. Make sure you do it the right way. Uh, you're on Facebook, right? Want people to send you friend requests, try to follow you there. Uh, yeah, probably the, the, the best thing to do is, uh, uh, cause my personal Facebook is really truly more for fr- true friends and family, but sure. Cycles at Destination Daytona. Um, follow us there. That that usually will give you the most up to date uh, information on what's going on with JMP Cycles in Daytona. We also have JMP Cycles, our, our corporate. They're always doing things that are global or you know across the country. Up to speed on. But yeah, that that's what I Facebook uh, board did. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wild. Minecraft. <laughs> go to work. Eat dinner. Go. To- <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, that's cool. So I am going to. Uh, I'm going to try to clean this up. We had some technical. I mean, it's just you know, people listening. If you've made it this long, thank you so much for listening to this. Um, there's been some glitches, and I think you had said the weather was maybe getting sketchy. Um, so cell service may have been a little messed up, but uh, I think we got the point. I think it was good. I had a good time. I even learned a few things, which is cool. I really, really appreciate you uh, coming on. You know, it's like starting in sales, right? You know, starting this podcast is call my friends. Who's willing to fail with me and let's give it a shot. And I appreciate you for being one of my guinea pigs. Greg, if you need anything, just let me know. <laughs> just like that, it glitched on you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so say that again <laughs> Any, anything call, no. oh, I can't stop laughing because this is glitching right perfectly when you try to say anything <laughs> but I got it anytime I need anything I'll give you a call I appreciate it do you have any last parting words before we shut this down no sir just uh, love looking forward to seeing you guys and uh, be safe all right Thank you very much, John. You guys, all of you listening, thank you so much. Uh, If there's any guests you want to see me connect with, uh, just shoot me a message. Let me know. If you're liking the show, smash that subscribe button. Make sure you follow it and you never miss an episode. Thank you, John. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.